Oh, for Christ's sake, Anakin. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of For Christ's Sake, Anakin. Calling this one, Hail Shmi, the Force is with you. And we're talking about, uh, well, maybe the most obvious parallel between Star Wars and the Christian faith as we know it. as Star Wars canon as we know it. That is, parallel between... The birth of Anakin Skywalker as a virgin birth of, of Shmi Skywalker. We are going to go into a little bit eh, everyone's favorite Skywalker, Shmi herself. Uh, first of all, I want to say sorry for the brief uh, unplanned hiatus. I didn't like to leave this much of a gap, but I had other projects going on, other things that came up. So here I am. I'm back. Hopefully I'll get, um, we'll get to one next week. We'll upload another one next week. Uh, it's looking good. Things are looking good for this podcast. I hope you guys are enjoying it so far and finding it enlightening, things to engage with. Uh, please, if you have any comments or suggestions, let me know. Uh, I'll give you my, my social media information at the end. All right. So the news, uh, yeah, it was a bit of, there was a bit of a quiet period and then, oh man, Entertainment Weekly comes out with with their issue with some juicy, juicy insight on The Last Jedi. Some great photos of Finn and his starfighter flying on, him, on his own. And uh, some comments, Luke still with the beard, kind of brooding. We don't know. We know he, he touches the lightsaber from the sizzle reel. But we don't know what he's thinking beyond. It's time for the Jedi to end. And we don't know where in the film that is. Uh one thing we do know, the, a big thing that came up in, in this uh, Entertainment Weekly issue, and have note for this podcast, Luke uh, Luke thought his nephew Ben, Ben Solo, uh, you know, he taught him as the star pupil, but uh, Mark Hamill himself says, treating him, he treated Ben like, the, like a chosen one, like this new hope for the future. And so when, uh, when Ben turns on him becomes uh, Kylo Ren that's we're going to see that that doubly devastating because it, it takes away his hope and we see him at the beginning of probably the beginning of Last Jedi pretty forlorn not just because of the family betrayal yeah there's that but just like some people who at the end of episode 3 Obi-Wan at the end of episode 3 you were the chosen one uh, maybe Luke is is in that situation a little bit too. Uh, this raises some questions. Uh, how does this affect our understanding of the Chosen One? Again, I've said it repeatedly on this show, on this podcast. My assertion that Anakin is the Chosen One, that isn't absolute. That isn't you know, clearly 100% what what the, the films are saying. It's what George Lucas thought, what George Lucas believed. Um, it's certainly what a lot of things in the prequels are saying, but the idea that there could be multiple chosen ones in that this destiny to carry on uh, leadership, this mantle of leadership in the force from generation to generation, almost, I guess, like the Lubavitch believe in a Messiah every generation. I don't know. I'm getting that gets us too far afield. Um, I'm not entirely sure what this will mean in terms of how we understand the Chosen One, because we don't know what Luke was thinking there. All we have is this 
Mark Hamill in this article. Clearly, Luke doesn't think he's the chosen one. He's gone off and off by himself, and it seems like he's almost neglected the wider galaxy. I don't think that's the case. I think he needs to, he's felt the need to stop and to study and to learn um, and to heal himself. So that's that. That's the news. That's the biggest news item so far. Um, I'm sure there's going to be more things coming up. But uh, move on to our my next little bit here. What you're reading? Uh, you know the part where I talk about how am I Star Warsing this week and, and what am I up to the last few weeks? Well, I finished the Darth Bane uh, Legends novel. I took a bit of a, a break from this. Maybe part of the hiatus. Sometimes I confess, not everybody is like this, but sometimes I need a bit of a a break from all the Star Wars. Not that I take a complete break. I still listen to the podcasts and watch the Collider Jedi Council and all that. But yeah, I needed to get back into. Well, it's it's just as distant because it's reading. Uh, I think I may, may have mentioned reading Venerable Bede's history of the. Uh, Ecclesiastical History of the English Nation, and I got uh, far enough into that to get a sense of what what it was about, largely about bishops and kings, which is fair, uh, for what Mead was trying to do. Clearly, more contemporary historians would want to look at deeper picture and wider picture, but Mead is telling this high-level story and does help us explain some things about where the Church of England ended up and where Anglicanism ended up. That's a bit of a detour. Uh, I've gone back to back to the canon. I'm currently reading uh, A New Dawn, the film, the the novel by John Jackson Miller that came out I think before Rebels, Star Wars Rebels was released. And this isn't much of a spoiler. I kind of knew this. It was when Hera met Kanan, and I kind of knew Kanan was this gruff and uh, ne'er to do sort of fellow, and, yeah, hiding in Order 66, and it's during the Dark Times, and that's a whole set of podcast episodes about the Dark Times that I'll get to, but, um, maybe in, t- in the two weeks, actually, but, uh, New Dawn, I'm reading it, I want to get a sense of where, because Rebel Season 4 is coming up, and, uh, we don't know what's going to happen, some characters might die, some characters might at least we know that this story, whatever is going to happen, is coming to an end. And so I'd like to see, I'd like to get a sense of where were they when they began. And that relationship between Kanan and Hera, Kanan and Hera, sorry, <laughs> Kanan and Hera. Um, very interesting start. Kanan, as also the Jedi Padawan, Caleb Dune. Uh, yeah, I mean, he presents himself as pretty gruff and, and not caring about anybody but it's clear he's still you can't you can take the Jedi out of the Jedi Order you can't take the Jedi out of the Jedi if that makes sense <laughs> um, I mean we're also we also see that with Ahsoka to some degree interestingly enough and of course we see this with Kanan coming back and uh, embracing his his destiny as a Jedi Knight and wielding the lightsaber and all that Stuff that, you know, in the Empire, yeah, gets you killed uh, under Order 66. But he's fighting against the Empire. He's joined the Rebellion. Um, and so I'm reading A New Dawn in preparation 
for season four, um, and, which is a great segue because another thing where I'm going to be Star Warsing in, in a few weeks is by going to Fan Expo Canada. Uh, I went, I've been at least on the Saturday sprint. This is the uh, one of the largest, believe it or not, one of the largest conventions, fan, fan conventions in North America. Um, it's at the Metro Convention Center, or the Toronto Convention Center downtown. Uh, take over the whole building from Thursday to Sunday, and both both North Building and South Building. And I I went to the Saturday Sprint. I did what I call the Saturday Sprint. Just go all day Saturday a few times or for a bunch of times. Last year I finally did all four days, and man, was it a blast! Uh, I saw Alan Tudyk there. I saw uh, my mom and I saw Brent Spiner there, which is great. Um, Anthony Daniels is coming, famous C-3PO, and uh, bring the Rebels segue back in. Dave Filoni has announced that he's going to be coming, and Saturday at 11.30, Saturday, September 2nd at 11.30, he's probably going to show us the season one, or the season four premiere of of Star Wars Rebels. We did get the taste uh, season three last year, I was in a smaller room. This is going to be in the theater, and I'm so glad they're actually using the theater. It's so much better sight lines, much more comfortable seating, and they have this really long, wide room that actually seats more people, but you might as well just have screens in another room because you can't really see the see the center. Here, they're actually using the theater, and it's going to be fantastic. And hope they work out. They had some audio issues uh, when doing screenings, but hopefully those will be sorted out. So, I'm really excited for that. Um, I will give, after I see that, you know, we're going to basically all have non-disclosure agreements. That's kind of exciting. <laughs> My first NDC. I mean, it's going to be expected of us not to spoil anything uh, until, I guess, the month later that the show actually comes out. Um, I'm going to do maybe a quick non-spoiler review of the episode uh as part of probably as part of a larger fan expo episode, um, one of the things that was really interesting there were last year there were some faith based things that came up, Christian things that came up, some most of them kind of humorous, a little sacrilegious as, as you can expect. Um, and there's a guy dressed up as Buddy Jesus from Dogma, and uh, uh, most people got the joke, not everybody did, but that's fine. Um, and you got the reference at least, and it was it was really interesting. Uh, the Alan Tudyk panel, um, which was really the highlight. I mean, Alan Tudyk just coming off of filming Rogue One, right? He, so the guy playing Jesus, he was last in line, and but there was a younger person uh, who would have gone at, last in line to give a ask a question. And there was someone younger who really wanted to ask a question. So this guy playing Jesus says, I'm going to be magnanimous and give the mic to this other person. And, of course, everyone's like, Jesus being so great. <laughs> and I I still still processing what that means in terms of uh, fans called. And maybe that might have been, that was certainly one of the sparks. Yeah, I have to do this podcast. It has to be this dialogue. This conversation because there's actually fruit there even if yeah some of it was mocking some of it was unfamiliar but 
these kinds of things come up at a con. Uh, and and so hopefully more things will come up and I'll have a time to express it and talk about it. And maybe Star Wars related, maybe not. But we'll see. Alright, speaking of Star Wars, <laughs> and speaking of the church and uh, this whole dialogue, one of the, like I said at the top, one of, if not the most obvious parallel uh, immediately strikes you that uh, <coughs> when you watch episode one, Phantom Menace, sorry, water break, that strikes you is Anakin Skywalker was born of a virgin. And at least Shmi doesn't know the father. So there's no no father. You can, <coughs> sorry, you can almost hear her say, the force overtook me and overshadowed me and I bore a son. Um, it, it's that, certainly that explicit reference. And, um, you know, it's been kind of sunny out to the, these days in Toronto and <coughs> surprisingly, and, you know, there's been a bit of rain, but it's been nice because yesterday, one of the sunniest, brightest days of the church year came upon us. And for those of us in more Catholic tradition, we celebrated the, the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary and the belief, I mean, everybody, every Christian believes that Mary went to heaven as a believer in Jesus. Um the people of more Catholic tradition, certainly Orthodox as well, um, they celebrate the mystery of Our Lady, the mystery of Mary, as the 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 true Christian, the ideal Christian. Yes, Jesus is the true Christian, as the truly the one who's truly faithful to the will of the Father. But Mary, she's not the the Word incarnate; she is a human just like us, who is redeemed by grace. That's actually what the Immaculate Conception is about, by the way. And celebrate how if she is taken up into heaven, we too are taken up into heaven. And we too are will we'll be before God. So that was yesterday. Um, and so I thought, hey, why not take this opportunity to talk about, again, everyone's favorite Skywalker, Shmi. Um, now, we mostly know of about Shmi's story uh, from the beginning of Anakin's story. And so, even though we're talking about... So it might seem kind of odd to talk about her at the end of Mary's story, uh, which is, of course, very different from the tragic <coughs> Shmi's tragic end, uh, as we see in Attack of the Clones. But that brings up a good theological point that we see over and over again in Star Wars especially in The Phantom Menace. Destiny, calling, purpose. They are fully revealed at the end of all things, but they are present at the beginning. Right. I mean, we believe, again, the Immaculate Conception, we believe Mary's destiny to be, to receive salvation fully in order to bring forth the Messiah, bring forth the Savior. And it's her destiny, and then her destiny to be with him at the end. We see that at the beginning. Uh, we see in Phantom Menace, Shmi's calling, Shmi's function in the story, if you want to say dramatically, just like Mary's, is to give birth to the Chosen One, Anakin, to raise him as a son. 
as any human mother would, and then to give him up to his own destiny. Um, there is another biblical parallel that may be stronger even, in the chronology at least, in terms of Anakin's age. Uh, and it's that of, of Hannah, who is the prophet Samuel's mother, who Hannah is is barren, and she finally gives birth to Samuel, and then gives him up to the temple. And we see, of course, Samuel in the temple, hearing God's voice. He's a little older then. Hearing God's voice to follow him. Um, of course, Luke's gospel draws a conscious parallel between Hannah and Mary in the Magnificat. Um, but we also, of course, see Mary seeing Jesus in the temple. And the, the response is a little different. She she can, ponders the, all these things. Luke records her pondering Jesus, debating with the scholars in the temple, pondering these things in her heart. She gets to take him home. It's a little different. But uh, she's beginning to see, or she has begun to see, or has finally become aware of more fully what Christ's destiny is. Uh, Shmi has this moment too. And, and this is instructive for our understanding of Mary in that Mary fully sees who Christ is when he's hanging, dying on the cross. And the, the Catholic hymn, the Stabat Mater, and this image of Mary standing for the cross, and she's not distraught and desolate and wailing. She's actually as calm as can be in that situation because she understands here's the world's salvation. Now, I wouldn't be claiming that Shmi understands this with Anakin. All she knows when she's, when, uh, when Anakin's leaving to go to... Uh, with Qui-Gon is oh he's going to be, have a better life he's going to go get to live in the temple this again is the parallel with Samuel uh, he's going to get to live in the temple and uh, become a Jedi and go on these crazy adventure missions that he's always dreamed of and uh, take his youthful innocence and, and welcome and hospitality and be this force for change she does know something is, is up <laughs> with with her birth with his birth rather that maybe there is and that he she does know that he has these special talents no human doesn't matter how old you are is should be able to pilot a pod racer just moves way too fast way too dangerous you need other other species can do it humans can't this kid can so something special maybe just maybe he's going to actually bring light and hope to the galaxy she doesn't know. All she, but what she also does know is, she has to let him go. She has to send him off. Uh, and she does it, yes, weeping, yes, sad. <coughs> but she sends him off. Um, and 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 this was risky. This was tough. Just like, I mean, and and, re, you know, Hannah experiences this when she's wailing for for children to for God to open her womb for her children. Mary experiences this to some degree. Uh, well, certainly does experience this. In the ancient Near East, this wasn't... I mean, a lot of women I know, and this is just from friends I've talked to, <coughs> I mean, mothers, of course, have this deep bond with their children. Uh, their bodies are, are oriented to give birth. 
hormone, hormones are oriented to give birth. This isn't true for everyone. Obviously, there, and there's freedom and choice in the matter, pursuing vocation and all that. But a lot of women do desire to give birth. And, of course, women who have, um, <coughs> again, by the mothers I know, and my own mother, of course, has this deep, deep bond with her children still. Um, but there's also, in the ancient Near East, uh, the fact was, if you were, if you were a woman, the sh- surest way that you would be taken care of in your old age was to have a son. Surest way to, especially if you're a widow or a single mother, I mean, the reason that was so precarious was who was going to take care of you, especially if you're like Mary and Joseph's kind of up there in age. If you're like Hannah and Elkanah has this, <coughs> this other wife who <coughs> sorry, has no problems giving birth. Shmi, we can imagine something similar. Tatooine is this desert planet. She's a slave. Slavery is always this precarious situation. Um, maybe, just maybe, Anakin with his special giftings would have taken care of her in her old age. As we see in The Phantom Menace, yeah, that was painfully untrue. I mean, you see that sending her off in a way did lead to her death. If he, I mean, this is, we talked about with when counseling Anakin, a lot of his grief and, and the trigger, the, this, this switch in his brain, if only he had been there, he could have saved her life. Um, but the thing is, Shmi doesn't react that way, even in the Attack of the Clones. Uh, Shmi and Mary doesn't react that way, and Hannah doesn't react that way. They're able to give up their sons to this greater calling, to this greater mission. Um, and even even Shmi, in, with her dying breath, says almost a lot more like uh, like Simeon, the temple. Look how strong you are. I can now die in peace because I've seen that actually you have come and you have trained as a Jedi and are able to lead and and she doesn't know the whole story. (laughs) But at least she says, look how strong you are. And she's actually able to see, I mean, the biggest thing, she's able to see something of the good in him that Padme sees that Luke sees and one day brings out um, that same good that Luke will see and on the day that Anakin fulfills his destiny Shmi saw that from the very beginning maybe even if without knowing the details it's why she can let Anakin walk away it's maybe even something she pondered in her heart as she was raising him. Clearly a special child. I'm going to raise him. Who knows what the real experience was of the Force. And the canon, as we have it, won't necessarily go into it or isn't going to go into it. Um, but at the very least, we should be considering Shmi and the role of her story and her role in the story and give her more credit and more attention than she really gets. I mean... Leia, of course, gets the most attention um, among among women, and and this is a whole great development in, in Star Wars recently, with 
forces of destiny and of course the force awakens being centered on ray um, women are getting their voice and their due a lot better hera uh, you know other characters why not shmi too let's let's talk about this as i've just done um like mary she assented to the will of the force and the will of the force sought to restore balance to the galaxy uh, by bringing Anakin to be. Now again, the canon doesn't show this, doesn't confirm this, but I'm going to go ahead and... I, I've been calling this the Lucino theory, and that's what legends, I think, can be. I mean, this, I've mentioned the Darth Plagueis novel, and um, it, we call it Shadow Canon, call it a highly evolved fan theory, if you want. I'm calling it the Lucino theory, which I won't go into what it is, but suffice it to say, in that novel, it does preserve that it really is a virgin birth by the will of the Force to create balance and to bring peace and life to the galaxy again. Um, no, I and and I really like that, you know, not just because it preserves this nice parallel that I can now go on for the last, I don't know, 10-15 minutes talking about and last, I don't know, how many, 15, how many years since The Phantom Menace, and 18 years thinking about, <laughs> uh, I can do math in my head. Um, it's elegant. It preserves not just the reference to the virgin birth, but the mysterious nature of, the, of Star Wars mythology. It can't be reduced to purely materialist worldview. It would be the worst. I'm telling you this now, Lucasfilm. Don't do this. You know, I'm fine if you don't actually confirm it, and just let the Darth Plagueis novel be uh, be legends. I'd be. I'd love it if you just. And a lot of people are talking about this. In how many years? Make a canon version of these events. Fine. Don't give Anakin a birth father, please. Uh, not just again for the parallels, but. Because it, you know, it brings this, it reminds us this isn't simply some hard science fiction that can be the things that can be explained and reduced to a materialistic worldview. Shows us who the force, what the force is. What the force is actually the source of hope for Yoda and Leia and Obi Wan, and even Luke. Although we don't know where he's at right now in the sequel trilogy, but the very ally that Yoda claims, despite these dark times, that hope will win out in the end. Hope, like the hope, just a lot, lot like the hope we all have in joining Mary in heaven. The hope that Hannah had, that through Samuel, God would restore righteousness to Israel, that God would do this. The force would do this. So the hope that Shmi slave to Watto, battered on the point, to the point of death might have when like Simeon she finally sees strong and grown up Anakin like sees that good in him that Luke finally brings out in him so I think it is a little too bad that Shmi doesn't get this kind of attention I'd frankly love to see more stories with her maybe I don't know it's the talking about the assumption of Mary, communion of saints. Here's an here's an episode for you: communion of saints and force ghosts. Uh, so 
Something involving Qui-Gon's Force Ghost. I don't know. Um, something to let us know she had a restful, glorious afterlife. We see some glimpse of her. Well, it's not really her, but in the Mortis arc in Clone Wars. Uh, but something more positive. Something, uh, something to remind us of her importance to this story. Uh, just like how the Blessed Virgin Mary is rejoicing in heaven as her reward for participating in the life of her son. So that's just my line of thinking. Clearly it's a very Western Christian view. <laughs> Clearly it hinges a lot on the parallels I've made between Christ and Anakin. Um, so these thoughts do, frankly, fit well with what I'm doing in this podcast. Um, that's something I've been thinking about for the last... 19 years and or 18 years and thanks for listening to my thoughts uh, but what do you think uh, let me know on twitter at neug485 follow me on instagram at mneug1138 or comment on face this facebook post or the soundcloud post again thanks for listening I do appreciate it and like it was with Shmi. May the Force be with you, always.